Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to the C-Analysis Podcast. I'm your host, Chaz Nuttycomb, the director of C-Analysis. Today, we have a double feature here going on the redistricting process in Ohio and Alaska for state legislative redistricting. Uh, Ohio uh, has not put out its congressional maps yet, but looking at the uh, state legislative redistricting, it's probably not going to be good news for Democrats. Uh, but we'll touch on that here in a bit. Obviously, Alaska uh, is a at-large district, so there's no congressional redistricting. Uh, but they have put out two drafts for um, the state house. Uh, we don't know which districts will be paired yet. Uh, and then Ohio has just one draft for each chamber, and they are both brutal Republican gerrymanders today. With me, I have Ryan Brune. That's at Brune Elections uh, on on election Twitter. Um, he is a resident Ohioan, and I have my resident Alaskan, uh, Robert. Is it is it Hakama? Yeah, you got it right. All right, Ryan, or, or sorry, Robert Hakama. Um, and uh, what was your at on Twitter again, Robert? At Alaskan Robbie. All right. Um, yeah, you know, there in unfortunately there's not a whole lot of um uh Alaskan election Twitter. I think there's maybe like one or or maybe two or three accounts and, and you're one of them. So uh, you know, you do you do good work. Uh Ryan, I feel like for people on election Twitter, you don't really need much introduction. People know you, right? I've been around for a while. <laughs> you're an OG. Well, I want to thank the both of you for coming on. Um, you both know your states well, you know your state's politics well, and you've both you've uh, both had the chance to look at the state legislative maps. Um, we have cranked out a forecast for the Ohio maps. Um, so I want to start with Ohio. Uh, Ryan, our forecast for the state house in Ohio has Republicans favored to pick up three seats in the lower chamber for 2022. And they have a whopping 97% chance of holding their GOP majority, sorry, super majority, and just a 3% chance of losing the majority or the super majority 
where it gets cracked and becomes a regular majority. There's no chance the Democrats have for even a uh, or like a majority. Um, so and there's also three districts that the, that, uh, the Democrats hold, which even though they voted for Biden, we have as toss ups. Um, looking at our forecast, what would is there anything you disagree with? Um, and when it comes to uh, some of these, I know some of these incumbents have also been drawn out. I believe Jessica Miranda got drawn out of her seat. Um, in Ohio, do you have to live in the district in order to run in it? I believe the answer to that question is no, but I'm not positive on that. I, th- I agree with pretty much everything you have. I could quibble a little bit on a district that you have as tilt Republican. Maybe I think it's tilt Democratic, but Overall, in saying that both chambers are strongly, strongly, strongly favored to have Republican supermajorities, I mean, that's just a fact. And which is the one that you would quibble with, with the tilt Republican rating? Oh, I mean, so for example, in Lake County in Northeastern Ohio, you know, there's district, uh, what district is that? 56. Yeah, 56. I mean, this was a district that, you know, Democrats held on to it was an open seat in 2020 even as joe biden lost it and you know he lost it by quite a bit it wasn't that close right i mean but i mean things can change in the state senate there's a district that's uh, near akron that you have is like very likely republican or i believe yeah very likely republican I mean, it is actually a Biden district. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be so pessimistic on Democrats there. They may have a chance, but I mean, in the end, none of this, none of this really matters in a grand sense. Republicans are going to maintain supermajorities with these maps in both the lower and upper chamber, and and likely by very comfortable margins. Absolutely, and when it comes to that, um, the District Fifty Six, I do remember you and I talking shortly before uh, the election. Um, you know, the talking because I had it as a toss up pretty much uh, throughout most of the time um, for that seat. And I was very surprised. Uh, I had it as tilt Republican uh, and I got it wrong. It, it, Democrats held it by like a point. And the thing is, like, I think it got redder in redistricting by a few points, very slightly. But even that, they held it by the skin of their teeth in 2020 and they're going into a midterm currently with a president who is underwater. Um, and so just with that compared with how the district has gotten a little bit redder, I think red enough to where if this was a district in place last year, that they wouldn't have won it, but I could be wrong sure. on that. No, um, so I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent positive, which one I would have to double check, but you know, I, there, there, there's an argument for tilt Republican, but I think the fact that Democrats were able to hold it as an open seat in a year such as 2020, you know, it's very possible. I I mean, it's nowhere. I would probably say it's a toss up. I wouldn't have it at tilt Republican, but that's fair. And I I can get an argument for it. Um, But just when it comes to most Democrats in in Trump territory, honestly, I'm definitely, uh, I I usually have them as underdogs um, uh, for 2022. Uh, I think it's going to be very hard, very hard for Democrats to hold Trump one territory in uh in 2022 um but his win was impressive um but yeah i can definitely see an argument for toss-up um i think the one seat that i'm really interested in is uh it's the one in canton um right yeah the, have it we have it as lean democrat 
And I know you uh, you provided us our uh, state legislative calculations for Ohio. And I know that you're talking about how that seat we had is a very, very narrow Trump one seat. But I think DRA may have had it as a very narrow um, or, or yeah. Vest had it as very narrow Biden. So but it could either go either way. But regardless, yeah. it did get bluer in redistricting. I checked. Um, so, so, yeah, depending on how you allocate split precincts. The district was so close on the calculations that it could end up either way. Um, you know, the long run for Democrats in this district is disastrous. They may hold it in 2022, but I would be shocked in 2030 if they still held it. You know, that's a, a lot of industry. Well, it used to have a lot of industry, had something of a black core, but a lot of the African-Americans are leaving or have left to larger, more prosperous cities. I mean, the trend line for Democrats in Canton and Northeastern Ohio in general is, you know, apocalyptic or something. Yeah, I would absolutely agree that I think the Canton seat is going to flip by the end of the decade. Uh, now, now, um, well, let me switch over to Alaska before we get into the processes for each of these states. Um, Robbie, um, there are two plans in the Alaska House. Uh, and both of them have made the House more Republican. Uh, it's you have the first draft and you have the second draft. And um, we were talking a little bit about this before the podcast. You think that the first draft is going to be uh, more likely to be what the final product looks like, which has two more Biden districts than what the second draft has. So I'm kind of curious and tempted to try and launch a forecast with those seats just to see what it would look like, even though obviously it's not going to be the final thing. Um, talk a little bit about the the two drafts, the main difference between them. And I know you've pointed out how there have been a lot of incumbents, particularly Democratic incumbents, who have been paired together. Yeah, so broadly, both of the maps do a couple of the same things. Um, the main differences are in how Anchorage, which is the state's largest city by far, um, casts about 49% of the presidential vote and is about 49% of the state of the state's population. Um, but everywhere else, it kind of does very, very similar things. Um, it makes Representative Ortiz's Ketchikan district a lot more conservative. It pulls interior villages out of native majority districts and into this gigantic, if you've ever looked at the Alaska map, this gigantic interior Delta, um, Delta Valdez district. Um, it also adds um, some Republican-leaning um, areas and precincts to um, Representative Wool's Fairbanks district like Salcha and um, Ielsen, which is the military base. Um, so the, the differences then are, are in kind of how you, you draw Anchorage. Um, so in the first map, um, as you mentioned, pairs a whole bunch of Democratic incumbents into the same districts and, and forces them um, into runoffs. It's a generally more favorable map to Democrats in terms of how the districts lean, but it forces essentially four to five incumbents uh, into retirement. Um, the most insidious is most definitely um, the downtown Turnigan districts, which forces three incumbents into the same district. Um, it's pretty It's pretty blatant. Um, the Juno district even gets broken up in both maps as well. I, I want to go back real quick. Uh, the Juno districts go back uh, and and put Representative Story and Representative Hannon, the only two Juno representatives, into the same district, and they even draw a square around Representative Andy Story's house. <laughs> um, we call that the Kawasaki finger in Alaska because um, Kawasaki, who is a Democratic senator from up in Fairbanks, had a very same thing done to him, except 
the redistricting commission made a mistake and did it to his relative instead. Um, so now they've successfully done it to Representative Andy's story. Um, so it's, it's very blatant here. Um, and the reason the first one is, is more preferable to Dems um, is because there are just a lot more competitive seats the Democrats could capture. Um, there's nine solidly Dem seats in the first map and 16 solidly GOP seats uh, and 15 competitive seats. And in the second version, there are only 11 competitive seats and uh, 21 of them are uh, of the seats are solidly GOP. Um, so that's kind of how the partisan breakdowns, um, the partisan breakdowns work. Um, because Anchorage is moving so far left so quickly, and by that I mean every single Anchorage House district, with the exception of a high Democratic-leaning Mountain View district, uh, moved significantly to the left um, between 2016 and 2020, um, including some of the more conservative districts. So there's only so much you can do to kind of outpace. Um, the changes that are happening, um, but they do their best by just eliminating incumbents to try and beat. So, yeah. And when I remember looking at the map, there are two Republicans um, that are with the majority coalition. Um, mm -hmm. You got Luis Stutes, um, who is in the southern parts of Alaska. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, it touches various rural parts um yeah kodiak Cordova, and soldovia yeah. right and then you've got uh, the other republican uh, what's her name on um, the other republican well there's actually three republicans in the in the in the house minority on um, the second one is um no the the you American. mean the house majority the house majority yeah i know there's three republicans in the house majority um the stutes who is the speaker of the house um representative merrick who represents a conservative eagle river chugiak state park district um and then the third is uh Oh, no, never mind. There's only two. <laughs> yeah, so that's what sorry. I thought. I think I think one of them, another Republican doesn't caucus with either with either yeah, party. Rasmussen. So, yeah. So, yeah, that's the one. She doesn't caucus with either party. Um, mm -hmm. But the other one. Yeah. In Eagle River, um, her she is still in that in that seat and it's gotten more Republican. Um, and I yes. think in a primary, I, I think that may be an intentional because in a primary, I think she would be it, pr pretty much dead. Um, looking at how the Alaska House primaries from last time in 2020, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's it's not in a in a primary. It's not uh, not favorable uh, for no. primary voters. So I, I no. think they did that to her to give her a, a harder time at winning. Uh, would you agree with that? I, w I definitely I definitely would. And, and if it weren't for ranked choice voting, um, she'd be dead in the primary regardless right. um, because her district's GOP party uh, essentially expelled her. Um, they said, we're going to back whoever challenges you. Um, you've you violated the will of the people and lied to us because you joined the Democratic-led coalition. So she'd be, she'd be kind of screwed either way. Um, but this is going to be really hard for her. Yeah. Um, well, let's talk about the... Um, bo both of these states have commissions, but um, let let's go with Ohio first. Ryan... So help explain the commission. Um, these lines are going to have to be redrawn in 2024, you said, um, in, in the state legislative maps. And I assume it's going to, it's going to be the congressional maps as well. Um, why is that? So let, let's just take one step back. So in Ohio, because of uh, an amendment that was passed in 2015 by the voters, there's an Ohio redistricting commission composed of seven members the governor, the auditor, secretary of state, 
and four members of the um, General Assembly appointed by the minority leaders and the majority leaders. And um, they basically have until this Wednesday, the 15th, to approve a map. And in order to approve the map, you need at least two members from every party and a majority of the seven. So you need five of seven or four of seven, and you need two Democrats. There's a very strong chance that no map is going to be agreed by on by the 15th. Republicans will push through their map on a simple majority, which will be allowed after the 15th. But in that case, the map only lasts for four years, very unique to Ohio. And there's a similar mechanism for the congressional maps, which are due on the 30th of September, a little bit later. And so those will also only be able to be used for four years, correct? Yeah, correct. I think it's the only, I think Ohio is the only state in the country that has a system like this where there's a constitutional mechanism to only have the only have the maps last for four years. I think you would be right. So what happens in, in four years then? Is it the same people drawing it or? Oh, I mean, if, you know, they honestly may just pass the exact same maps again. They, they <laughs> could totally do that. <laughs> So I mean, the, so they're just gonna. <laughs> I mean, if anything, they can make him even more brutal. Based oh, on yeah, sure. you know, looking at the new data, you know yeah, what, what happens. Is, so yeah. so they so they redraw this in 2025. Yeah, I mean, so there's a few considerations. I mean, extremely unlikely, but you know, Democrats could maybe flip the governor, the auditor, the secretary of state. Pretty unlikely, but maybe. But another avenue is um, it's fairly easy to get a constitutional amendment on the ballot in Ohio. Democrats may try to get a stronger, like a redistricting commission that would have to lead more credence to the minority, like give them more power and not being able to be override. And so they would probably, they would probably have to get that done on the ballot by 2024. So if they were able to do that, get an amendment through, when they have to redraw these lines, are they, are they going to have to go with with that if they get a stronger amendment that'll, uh, you know, make it so that the GOP can't gerrymander? Yeah. So it's not exactly the. I mean, I mean, this is this is what Democrats would like to think. It's a. Little, it's not a guarantee that the amendment would pass. It's not. It's, you have to get ten percent of the um, the total number of people that voted in the last gubernatorial election to sign a petition to get the amendment. That's not the easiest thing. It's happened, you know, in the past for, you know, a marijuana amendment that actually ended up failing. There's going to be another one of those, I suppose, next year. But uh, it's not, it's not a certain deal. I, Democrats may be better off just challenging the maps in court, but it is an avenue. Okay, and so they would, it would go to the state supreme court, right? Yeah. So the uh, the Supreme Court of Ohio has original jurisdiction overall matters relating to um, redistricting. So presumably the court would actually hear challenges pretty quickly by the end of this year before primaries would happen. But Republicans before, can- Before the end of this year? Yeah. Okay. And, and yeah. the Ohio Supreme Court, it's makeup, um, or rather the critical votes on the Supreme Court would like to see a fair map, correct? Well, maybe. The Ohio Supreme Court has four Republicans and three Democrats on it. There is a swing vote on the Supreme Court who's and, um, you know, it's possible that they would argue. I mean, 
the constitutional amendment passed in 2015 says the maps can't unduly favor one party. Which maps, these clearly do. Yeah, they clearly do. But I suppose it's an open question whether or not the courts would accept that argument. Republicans are starting to develop an argument basically saying, in order to meet the other requirements of this amendment, aka not splitting counties too much, too many times, not splitting, not splitting municipalities too many times, partisan fairness is impossible. And you know, I would say that's you know not correct, but it is possible that they could use that argument in the Supreme Court to not get the maps over like tossed. Right. Um, all right. Well, I think that's I think that's a pretty ample explanation uh, uh, with uh, the process in Ohio. Um, Robbie, let's touch on Alaska. Um, there is a commission in Alaska and you have let's see if I got this correctly. You got one person on the commission appointed by the governor, another by the speaker of the house. I want to say it's two on the state Supreme court and then one by the secretary of state. Is that right? Just flip the Supreme court and the governor, the governor appoints two. chief okay. justice of the Supreme court appoints one speaker of the house appoints one. Um, yeah. You've got everything else right though. Okay. And there's only one Democrat on the commission. I'm guessing that's the one that Stutes appointed. Um, this is actually the one that was appointed by Representative Bryce Edgman, who represents um, a native majority district in the Aleutians in Bristol Bay. Um, he was Speaker of the House at the time, um, which uh, was a pretty historic um, position for him to hold. But so that's when the redistricting commission got appointed, which was in August of 2020, while we still had him. Gotcha. I knew it had been by the Speaker, but then I was kind of thinking, I mean, it's exactly. just kind of still appointed Democrat. But no, that makes more sense. Yeah. And he, mm -hmm. he temporarily he was became... a Democratic turned independent. Yeah, well, no, he's back to being a Democrat now, to the best of my knowledge. Um, I think he switched back. Uh, he, he became mm. an independent um, when he became speaker. I think that was kind of the agreement they reached. Um, mm -hmm. But I think now he switched back to being a Democrat. Um, but anyway. Oh, I didn't know that. So um, <clears throat> the, the pro so what is the, the timeline? I think it's by, what, November... 20th that a final map is supposed to be uh, adopted correct yeah yeah so we're heading into um third party plans which they have this redistricting tool that's pretty cool developed by like harvard um where you can draw your own districts and submit them and you can actually present them live to the board on the 17th which is this friday the deadline to draw them up is the 15th and then the 21st they adapt additional draft plans then there's this in-between meeting that we don't know about yet and then November 10th is the adoption of the final plan as per the current schedule, um, which is earlier than we were expecting it, but they say they're going to get it done. Okay. And so um, are there going to be any more drafts that are drawn by the commission that are going to be coming up uh, here soon within the next month or so? I think so. Um, I think these two drafts are going to get significant feedback. Um, certainly if I have anything to do about it, but lots of people are kind of paying attention. Um, redistricting is in the eyes of more people than it was during the last cycle for sure. Right. Um, so I, I think they're going to have to reconcile it. They've already had to make an update actually to the current two draft maps they proposed. There was a, uh, an issue with Ketchikan and how it was being split off. And um, it was one of those blatant packing two incumbents into the same district sort of thing. Uh, and they said, oh, no, that's a mistake. Um, didn't really huh. seem like a mistake. So I, I think this is, I think that's example one of many that they're going to have to revert off of the, the next maps. So did they, did they, be. did they release that updated one with the catch can, uh, the, the redraw on that? 
Yeah, the shape files that are available uh, as well as the interactive reflect it. And they also released like a press update. Um, okay. I can send you that if, you, if you'd like. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, mm -hmm. And it did Ketchikan get, when they updated this, did it get a little bit more bluer, I'm guessing? So what they did was they split um, the lower half of Ketchikan's kind of, kind of hard to explain, but they split the lower half of Ketchikan, which is Saxman, which is the only native majority or really native community uh, on the island, um, and then Mountain Point. Um, both of those areas are where Representative Ortiz lives. Um, and he's represented Ketchikan for a minute now. He's incredibly popular. Right. Um, but if he weren't there, it'd be a Republican representative. So the district is Definitely. nominally Republican. And then they drew it to make it more Republican and disincluded him from the Ketchikan district. And then they said, oops, that was a mistake. And then they drew in the entirety of Ketchikan back in. Okay, great. Yeah, he, he's... Um... Yeah, I think uh, he's still heavily favored in that seat, even though it's, even though it's gotten more oh, conservative. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. He overperformed Biden by 35%. He'll, he'll yeah. be fine. Yeah. So he he's, uh, and he's an independent. He's not a Democrat, but he still is with the majority mm -hmm. coalition. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's very moderate. Really respectable guy. He's incredibly popular. Yeah, he's he's uh, very, very popular. One of the few kind of state mm -hmm. legislators there are who can really outrun well, I, I wouldn't even say oh, I'll yeah. run because, again, he's an independent. But, uh, you know, Alaska is, is a it's one of my weird. favorite states because it's uh, it's got really weird politics, weird election results. For example, uh, that guy in. in well, let me ask you, I guess, last question here, because I think we've talked in the processes. House District 40, that's the one um, in the northern slope. Um, how mm. would how would you say that? Do you think he is is safe? Are the Democrats going to get someone to run against him? Um, uh, do you mean um, Patkatak, the uh, yeah. independent representative? Yeah. Oh, you know it's 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 really hard to say. It's a very difficult district to predict, um, especially lately. Um, Elizabeth Ferguson was a really good candidate, uh, and I'm a little bit surprised um, she didn't win. Um, but um, if you are a Democrat, you you have to be pretty supportive of, de of development and you have to be pretty supportive of Anwar. Um, and it's really hard to win an election up there if you're not. And I suspect that's why the district swung against the Democrats and back towards Trump after this election. And it's the district that did so the most. And that's because it's, you know, Anwar and environmental development became such a focus of the presidential election this time. Hmm. Um, so, you know, a Democrat is going to try and it's, they certainly could win. We, the Democrats have represented the district before. Um, but I don't think those partisan difference, differences play out in native Alaska the way they do in urban Alaska. Um, not, you know, in, um, native majority districts have the highest proportion of un, like nonpartisan voters compared to partisan voters uh, compared to anywhere else in the state. And every single member from either each of those four districts have always caucused with whoever is the majority. It doesn't matter if they've been Republican dominated. Um, and, you know, it's just, you have, you have to have that leverage and you have to be at the table or else um, things sort of fall apart in, in rural Alaska. Um, yeah. So it's really, it's, it's very hard to say. <laughs> Anything yeah. And he, he's with the majority coalition. Um, yes, he is. So, I mean, the thing is when I'm, when I'm thinking of making a forecast with it, I, I, I guess I would put it as like safe independent slash Democrat. Cause it doesn't seem <laughs> like, you know, a, a, a regular conservative Republican no. would, is really going to either a even run in that district uh, to the best of my knowledge. Um, yeah. I, I would I would listen to if 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 you ever want to understand the a bit better the politics of District Forty to the best of your ability. Um, there's a really cool co uh, podcast called um, Coffee with Quack. Uh, and I'm sorry, I might be mispronouncing that last name, but um, it's uh, 
they had a district 40 form and both Elizabeth Ferguson, and the Democrat um, and the independent agreed on lots and lots of things. And most of them sounded pretty, pretty democratically oriented. You know, they both talked about the effects of racism. They both talked about funding PCE, which is power cost equalization. I mean, all of it sounded like house coalition talking points. Um, and it was just essentially two, two Democrats running against each other. One of them was just a lot more conservative and that's still relative to the district's voting habits. So, yeah, I, I definitely like to check out that podcast. You'll have to mm-hmm. definitely send it to me. Um, all right. Well, I want to thank the both of you for, for coming on. Uh, I think we've uh, given the listeners a, a very informative episode on both the uh, the processes for redistricting in these states and also what these maps are looking like now. Um, I will try and get a Alaska forecast, uh, Alaska house forecast out um, with the, uh, the former plan, the, the one that's better for Democrats. Uh, Cause I know you said that was going to be the uh, one that's more likely to be used. Cause I'm mm-hmm. just itching to get these forecasts out. I love going through it. I've already got ratings for that done. Um, and if the Ketchikan district didn't really change much in partisanship, I'm sure my rating for that, I, I would still have it as like likely independent. Okay. Um, I would probably hold the same rating. So yeah, thank, thank you both for coming on. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.